You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, what's up? This is Chadness from Hell Yeah and Mudvayne. This is Ron Bumblefoot Fall. Hey, this is Barbara Wild. And this is Daniela Clark. This is Johnny from Art of Dying. Hey, this is Mixie from Stitched Up Heart. Hey, this is Nick Reese from Joyous Bowl. Hey, this is Josh from Badflower. Welcome aboard the ship making way. Fuck! Hey, this is Ralph Sutton. This is Aaron Jones. What's going on, gang? Zach Wild here. And you're listening to Making Waves, the Ship Rock Podcast! Making Waves. Hey, Shiprocked family and everyone out there on the internet and podcast land, thank you for joining us on a, another episode here, episode 54 of Making Waves, the Shiprock podcast. Uh, we are part of the Sound Talent Media family and the fastest growing rock podcast in the world. We've had nearly 7,000 downloads this year alone, and our community is stronger and more involved than ever. Thank you so much for the support. Remember to review, rate, subscribe, and share. And tonight, ladies and gentlemen, you can see that I, uh, you can hear that I am, um, this is Al McManus. I'm, I'm filling in for the lovely and talented Justin Press, who is not with us. I'm here with Chad Nicefield and a guest who I will uh, introduce to you here shortly. Uh, Chad Nicefield, which um, my Siri refers to him as Chad Nicefield, which the is one and only. Good. Yeah. yeah, that's my favorite. So also, it sounds like you made Justin die. But Justin well, like, well, I, I, I'm I'm pinch, I'm pinch hitting for Justin tonight. See, he's uh, I think he's finishing up his master's degree at Barbizon, one of those <laughs> things, you know. Wow, yeah, or like yeah, like the Sally Struthers School of TV VCR. Sally Struthers. Dude, we have to get way into Sally. I call my friend Struthers. That's our like nickname to each other. Hey, Struthers. That's fantastic. So our guest, our guest tonight is known to our community and the universe at large as having been seated at the throne as a member of the cult since 2006 and has played with Testament, Exodus, and White Zombie. He's also known as one of the finest rock and roll drummers of his generation and beyond. He's also a three-time ship rock veteran, 2016, 2017, yeah. and 2019. And he's also a two-time all-star on the legendary Motorhead's motorboat cruise. Certainly his greatest single career personal accomplishment is having played aces high with me al mcmanus as a member of the stowaways in 2016 he's also one of the nicest and kindest souls we've had on the ship and always going above and beyond for our guests and community you can see see him perform with the cult on october 27th in san diego and november 5th in biloxi mississippi with i'm sure more tour dates to be announced ladies and gentlemen the lovely the talented the complex mr john tempesta what's up guys man good to see you all yeah, man. Yeah. I think you forgot 365 day award winner of the sexiest man alive too. Right, you right. Are incredible looking. And look at those that can't see. I'm just, I'm just angry for you. Sure. Oh, well, man. we'll go, we'll go, we'll go live to face. We'll go to live to Facebook in about 30 minutes with this, John, and then Pete, the folks will, will get their full. Okay, we're not live right now. Not, well, no, we're recording for the podcast right now. Oh, okay, but the whole okay. the whole thing will go into the podcast. Gotcha, but, um, okay, yeah, so we just we just uh, hang out here, get stuff like that. Can I do yeah, that? Oh, you, I have yeah. a filthy Bronx mouth. You know? Fuck yes. <laughs> hey, yeah. Archie. Yeah. 
<laughs> so before we started our little before, before we started our little adventure here, you and Chad were were comparing dog. You know, it used to be back in the day, you guys would compare like you know male genitalia. But as we get older and seasoned, yeah, you know, we're comparing dog. We're comparing dogs these days, man, which is probably yeah. the way to go. Absolutely, dogs are the best, man. Honestly, like I was uh, telling you guys earlier, every day it's my routine. I wake up at six in the morning, have my coffee, take the dog to the park. I live up here by the Hollywood sign. There's a great dog park, and she has many friends, and, and we socialize, and that's how we start our day, man. So it's great. Her name's Luna. Luna, right? Luna. Yeah. How she got a little, Luna? few nicknames: Luna Fish. You know, Luna Looney yeah. Tunes. You know. Now with a dog, now with a dog, you don't actually want to say lunatic because that would be. Oh, I do say that too. No, no, I don't. But that could, you know, yeah, once in a while. Yeah, yeah. She's really yeah, there's, a, there's a pill for that. <laughs> yeah. She's a cutie, and uh, we were just introducing Carl. Uh, my Carlito is a, is a maniac as well. Carlito, me. Yeah, yeah. Great. He's uh, sleeping on my on my feet right now. Uh, do you do you, is this your first uh, like dog dog? Um, no, I have. I, I grew up. I had so many dogs in my life. You know, my my dad was a hunter. He always had dogs in and out. You know, my and my older brother would find stray dogs, and all of a sudden there's another dog. And oh god, we had at one point we had dogs, we had cats, there was chickens, there was a turtle at one point. It was insane. It's like a freaking zoo. And this is in the Bronx, a small house with a small backyard. It's like it's like freaking nuts, man. Back when there were back, was that back when there were backyards in the Bronx, or is it still? It's been a while since well, I, mean, I grew up. This yeah. Same house. I grew up in man, same exact thing. Yeah. Really? Yeah, That's same address. So when I go home, I really go home. Never yeah. been in that house and everything. It's it's crap now, but it's still it's home. You know, my mom. Sure. Home. So sure. yeah. And it's the yeah. shanty my dad had built. He built a fiberglass shanty in the back. You know, kind of like a a, a storage room. And so that became my drum room, and uh, it was, and it's still there. And it's it's because it's just fiberglass lining. It just made the drums project twice as loud. Oh so man! You can hear me from like three blocks away, man. Yeah, it's like That's a drum shield. Shi- it's like a drum shield, but but all four yeah. sides. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> and I had a big kit with twenty sixes in there, man. Double bass, oh, yeah. Powell style, dude. Yeah. It would rumble. It was great. Who so brought like, who who bought you that first kit? My next door neighbor, actually, this is a great story. Um, uh, my next door neighbor, Charlie Castelluccio, he was, it was now. Is he, he might be, Chad, he might be from the Bronx. <laughs> oh yeah. My next door neighbor. So Charlie is older than me. He's like, you know, the same age as my oldest brother, Lenny. And Charlie now is an NYPD detective. But back then he was a drummer and, um, and he was moving on to his next kid. He had a blue sparkle, little, you know, shitty, you know, a beginner kid, basically, like, you know, a Sears kit, whatnot. And so he was working his way up to another kid, like a bigger setup, one more time. So he goes, um, he knew I was really interested. And my mom would always buy me those, you know, freaking Christmas kits and I'd break it in an hour. You know what I mean? I was, yeah, I was seven years old and whatnot. And then Charlie said to my mom, hey, I'll sell you this drum kit for $25. I'm like, whoa. So I begged my mom, you know, please, please, I really want this. And so she gave in and then we just took the drums right over the ports, right into the basement. And uh, that was it. That's what started it all for me. It was the next day I woke up, it was Sunday. I cleaned the drums. I was putting jewelry on there and everything. And and I, and I really, I just always loved the, the look of a drum kit at first. I seen Ringo Starr in Hard Day's Night. And um, and yeah, and it just took, it honestly took me until this day. I still have so much passion for drums. I have drums kind of out of my ears, man. Seriously, it's great. Sure. Do you still have I'm that everywhere. kit? I'm sorry? Do you still have that kit too? 
That's no, exactly. No, actually, yeah, no. Yeah, he. I think, John, I think you probably went from that kick to the next kit, which had the drums that had the they were curved that had the, like the, oh, the north. Like, I actually wanted the north kit. Yeah, north everybody north. wanted those. Those things yeah, were the I, shit, I, man. I kicked myself yeah. in the butt now because they were they were blowing them out at the time at Samash and on Forty Eighth Street in New York. And about like seven hundred bucks, and like because they were going out of business, and it was like, oh, I fucking knew I should have bought that kit. <laughs> they were out there, but I, don't, you know what, I could get one, but I honestly don't have the room anymore. I, I, you know, which is not a bad thing. I have so many drums. I have snare drums. I have fifty snare drums in my other room there, and now I, I decided to kind of collect pedals for some stupid reason. I want to get some old vintage pedals. Why not? Something yeah. To- Especially during the lockdown, what do you buy? You know, to keep yourself busy and amused, and you know what I mean. It's just kind of normal. Sure. Yeah. Is that what you is that what you kind of did? Just back us up and tell us what what happened during the lockdown. Obviously, we saw some stuff online that was some the cover stuff, which was super fun and awesome. Um, but is that is that one of the things you did to kind of keep yourself going through the whole thing? Yeah, yeah, I did, and uh, you know, I ha- luckily I have a rolling kit. I had a V drum kit in my room, and I, I did a bunch of those jam outs. You know. The lockdown yeah. jams, which is fun. I did one with Phil Demo. We did it. And I got my friend Grand Bonnet, you know, from yep. Rainbow and all Saw that. And yep. My brother played guitar on that. So there's a lot of fun. And I did a few of them. I did one for Cherie Curry and stuff like that. Cherry Curry. And yep. um, but yeah, what happened was I would, you know, the band Mother Sister I'm in with Scott Ian and Jim Wilson, his wife Pearl and Joey Vera. We had we were recording right before the lockdown at 606 Studios, Dave Rose Studio. And um, a friend of mine um, knows someone who works at the governor's office and said, they're going to lock this place down soon. So I gave everybody a warning and everybody's freaking out. Like I remember I finished early. It was running out. I, I ran to the grocery store and just stopped up and Scott went to Whole Foods. It didn't happen for like another week, but still, we were, yeah. you know, it's that panic mode. It's like, oh my God, you know, they're coming for us. You know, the world is coming to an end or whatnot. And uh, yeah, I had a lot of fun to be honest with you. I mean, still, you know, coming off a tour, I'm pretty like, I'm pretty private. I'm, I'm more of a homebody and stuff like hanging out. I go to my drum room, I do my thing and, you know, and, uh, but it started getting like, kind of like, oh shit, man, nothing's open. This sucks. You know what I mean? Yeah. At least go down sure. to the bar and have a drink or see some friends or whatnot. Sure. Yeah. Did you, you mentioned your, you mentioned your brother and I don't, I'm sure you've told the story a thousand times in interviews yeah. and what, and that kind of thing. But what, how was the relationship with your brother um, when you're growing up? So you're dragging the drum set over on, over the porch from mm-hmm. Vinnie Cal, you, from Vinnie Cal, you know, I'll call him. He's your neighbor. Certainly not. It's just, yeah, that's who I said. And so you're, you're dragging the drums over the porch. And what's your what's your brother doing at that time? Because what's the oh, age difference? He was young, what's the age two years younger. He wasn't into me. I mean, he wasn't playing it. But um, right. later on, uh, he wanted to play drums, and uh, then he just picked up the guitar and he picked it up pretty quickly. Like you know, around fourteen years old, I would say fifteen years yeah. old. Oh, you were a longtime drummer then. Yeah, I mean, I started. Oh, you've been you've been playing for yeah yeah you've been playing for five seven years at that point when he picked yeah up. yeah and then, yeah eleven eleven and Charlie. Castillo, Giovanni call you the guy. Yes. This is my first concert. This is a good one. Um, he asked my mom, hey, Mimi, um, I have an extra ticket. I want to take Johnny to the concert. It was David Bowie at the Guard in 1977, dude. So I, that's my first concert. And the drummer, get this, is Dennis Davis. And we had shitty tickets, but not for me because it was side of the stage. And, you know, I seen the drummer and he had the North drums. There you go. See, it all comes back to those drums, man. That's why. That's why. And Dennis Davis and Matt Cameron from Soundgarden and I, you know, we're good friends. And um, 
he he had seen that same tour, but in San Diego. So that's gotcha. the same age, and you know, Chris Cornell was saying, you know, all all the same age, and we always talk about that concert, man. That's that's, that's crazy. I'm, yeah, it is. It's cool, isn't it? I yeah. uh, I'm I'm on a super deep Bowie kick right now with my kids. Oh, and so, uh, if you want to hear something really, even this will blow you. Well, it blew my freaking socks off, right? <laughs> so every time I go to New York, I go to 48th Street, right? You know, the, it was the there was a street, the Mecca stores, all all like Manny's music, Sam Ash. It was it was music row basically. And anytime I went there, I would go visit and see my friend Marco, who was a manager at the store. So one time, I think we flew out there for Zombie. We're doing a uh, Letterman or something, and uh. I go up to the store and um, I'm walking around, just checking everything out. And this this uh, black dude's walking. And Marco goes, "Hey, hey, Johnny, you ever meet Dennis?" I go, "Dennis Davis." I went, "Dude, you're the first drummer I ever seen because of you. This is the reason I'm here and playing yeah. this. You know, yeah. thank you. I mean, honestly, you're one of my favorite drummers." And he goes, "Dude, I know who you are, man. You, I'm so you know, you're killing it out there." Blah blah blah. And I go, "And two weeks later, we we're playing Roseland in New York, sold out. It was our first zombie show in New York, Rob Zombie." And that was a big one. So I go back two weeks later to the same place, and he's there again. And he goes, oh, he goes, I really want to go. And I go to Marco, go, is he serious? He goes, yeah, man. So I put him on the guest list, right? And uh, it's a big deal for me. It's a, it's a hometown show. Like, family's there, Tommy Lee and Nikki Six, and all oh, everybody's there. It's, so, it's a big show. And Roseland was an amazing place. Had the best fucking show. You know, I'm going to kill it. You know, I'm just... Came off the stage, I'm in the dressing room, I get ready, change, and there's a stairway, you go downstairs, you know, to get out and meet uh, meet your uh, guests and everything. I open the door, the first guy is Dennis Davis, you ready for this? He goes like this to me. He mm. bowed to me. Ah, that's yeah. Right, I still, I mean, I told the story a million times, I still get the goosebumps, man. And yeah. that's, that. you know, that was it. I seen him play Madison Square Garden, and, and that that was my goal, to, to uh, do that in my yeah. life. And, the, and and he turns around and, and respects you like that. It just blows your mind, doesn't it? Fucking still does when I think of it. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny because it's those moments too where you, you know, you've, you've I can't say you've come so far from them, but, you, but you've aged and been through all of those experiences, played all these shows yeah. since that day. Yeah. And still those things you go back to and go, that was fucking awesome. You know what I mean? It's like, that's how heavy, that's how heavy it is, you know? And when I tell people this story, they, they trip out, you know, it, it, it's a good, so when, you know, it's in the book one day, you know, there's, yeah. there's a lot of those cool stories in there. Yeah. And, and for a guy like you, it's probably up there with, I would think that time we played aces high on ship. <laughs> oh, dude, that's still, that's you know, still I, mean, I think that was still the best jam. Honestly, we're going to do it again. I think we should do it. One more time. You guys should yeah. literally groundhog day that for the rest of your existence. That's what I, I mean. Told, listen, I told Nick when I played that song too, man. Oh, uh, did you? Big out of it, yeah. Yeah, it's all chat. Hey, listen, chat. If I had my druthers, I, I would relive that day. That would be my <laughs> actually. I, I wouldn't it. even need it to be a day. I would just need it to be you know three minutes and thirty eight seconds or whatever. Yeah, it was, I would tune in. Good. I would. Yeah. <laughs> still, we played it pretty fast too, didn't we? It was. It yeah. So maybe like, in fifteen it, seconds. Probably. Yeah, it could have been. Yeah, it could have been. Yeah, that was fun. I think we started. The show. I think we may have opened. I think we did. I think we may have opened the whole thing that night. It was the first song, so I was. It was. It was a lot of fun. So, um, <laughs> yeah, you got what do you what do you got on your list, buddy? Because I have like seventeen things I want to talk to John. About. Um, well, who are you talking to, Chad? Chad. Yeah, Chad. Well, I was going to ask you a specific question since we're talking about drums, and this is on my list. 
so you have your own snare drum, right? This, this, this stealth, uh, you, so you have like 50 something snare drums at your house. Do you have, um, obviously do you play on your own snare drum? Uh, Always. Pretty on this, in this studio, the mother sister record, I record on my snare drum and I bring out like the, 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 the big one, the bell brass Tom in the eighties, the Terminator, you know, but my, my snare drum, I'm not saying because it's mine, for some reason, it has all those great characteristics, you know? It has it has like that wood tone, if I want to get that Alex Van Halen tone, or that high poppy helmet sound. It just, you know, it's very well-rounded, so. And it feels it's, great, and honestly, yeah, I've been playing it forever. It's, well, that, that's even cooler for my, my follow-up was, uh, so my band, uh, Wilson, that we did our oh, second record. <laughs> great band. And we, we did our second record, uh, in Atlanta and the producer, we were going through all these fucking snares, all of them. Uh-huh. And like, uh, glow in the dark studios is the, is the, is where we're recording the drums at. And he pulls out he's like, I, I got this new at the time. I believe it might've just, just came out or maybe even had like an advanced copy. It was, it was like, when did the snare actually come out again? It was like 2010 or 11. My snare jump. Yeah. Uh, good question. Around there, but I actually had the prototype of my snare drum when I was with Helmet, like back in 2005. Oh, okay. We were still going through, like, you know, I had some prototypes, and that's when I really cranked it, you know? So, yeah. But well, yeah. He, I remember the dude yeah. saying, no one's played on this in this studio yet. So, like, wow. if you guys want to check it out, see if this works. And, and Pooey, our drummer, hits it, hits it again, and hits it another time. He's like, this is the one. And there, we listened to the, we listened to like 20 different playbacks of different snares and, and it ended up being the one that we used on the record. So, uh, which is awesome. a Thank funny you. story to bring up there. Cause you, I was like, I wonder if he actually uses it like in, in a consistent oh, basis. Yeah. Well, yeah. then he loved it so much that the easy tune, uh, the, the, I'm sorry, easy drummer, uh, is that what it's called? It's like an yeah, yeah, the easy, sample track, easy drum. Everything that we demoed on, he also used <laughs> your kit on. Yeah, a lot of guitar players jam with that. It's a great pack. These guys from Sweden. I mean, they're like, I do. you know, and it's that's your, out of my yeah, your, your pack is your pack is fantastic. I, yeah. I oh, yeah. and he's sneak, yeah. man, you know, and he's it's, it's really great. And, and all, I mean, really, that whole thing and the Swedish guys, right? You mentioned that, yeah, that dude, whole thing. I mean, we're, com- we're complete at one time. Yeah. yeah, we're completely nerding out on on music here right now, and, and frankly, I love it. Um, yeah. Because I mean, I use all the tune track stuff. I mean, like easy mix, easy. Cool. I mean, hell, I use easy bass, easy drummer, easy keys, all that easy stuff. Bake. It, amazing. Easy vape. He's about it. Easy snacks. Before I forget, didn't we play uh, with a wait? Thin Lizzy boys are back in town, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah which that is my favorite band of all time. And I was well, like, me, from, you know, me too. It's like, well, yeah. Brian Johnny's one of my idols. Like that, the King of Swing, baby. I'm a huge yeah. man. Yeah. It was probably my crowning, uh, my, especially. It was probably my favorite thing I've ever done on on the ship, even beyond playing with Wilson, because it allowed me to not only feel like th- all those nights of eating the ramen, you know, even if it's just playing with you for a moment, like eating the ramen, sleeping in the van or whatever, I got to go home from that ship and tell my dad that not only did I play a song by th- the band that we both love the, the most uh, as father and son, but also by a drummer uh, that with a drummer that we both equally love from different projects. Like he's a huge oh. cult fan. And I, I go oh, way like, Thank I you. love all your shoes. So it was like, it was a cool, that was like that little check thing that I got to yeah. go back and say, Thank Hey you, dad, man. check this out. Thank you. That was fun, dude. Yeah. yeah. Stevie yeah. was on guitar. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Stevie. Yeah. yeah. He's so good. 
Such a cool dude, too. Love that kid, man. So, yeah. yeah. We'll do that was my question about this. Yeah, let's do it. Chris, yeah. do it right now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so John, we've obviously we've hung out on the ship and played a little bit of music together and I've, uh, I've followed you and your career and all the bands that you played for. I love, um, what, what's your, what's your, if I can't, if I can be so bold, what's your personal life? Like, I'm not even, I'm not sure if you're married or you got kids or what. No, I'm story? single and, uh, yeah, I'm just, maybe I'm a loner. I don't know. I'm pretty private and, you know, listen, this is, this is the life I, uh, you know, I, I chose and, uh, you know, when yeah, it could be a time. It's hard to explain, but you know, when the timing is right, something will happen. I think fate will take its place. But I'm sure. really where I'm at right now, and uh, you know, this lockdown wasn't easy either. Going out, there was no way to go out, sure. and kind of mingle and stuff like that. But no, you know what? I have my dog, and I have a lot yeah. of good friends. I have my niece that's close by, and my my brother, and you know, life is good, man. And uh, yeah. honestly. And, and I can I'll, just get up and go anywhere I want. You know what I mean? Without anybody. Uh, sure. How did you, what's, <laughs> give me, give us the, 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 or maybe it doesn't need to be in a, the abridged version, but how did you, how did the Bronx kid wind up in Los Angeles and where, yeah. where are the, like the key points during your life, uh, both, both kind of before music was, was the, the, the thing you were doing for a living where were like, so it was, it was the Bronx and then give us the snapshot. How did you, okay. how did you make your way there it, and, it was and, a fluke man honestly my my buddy dante my best friend in new york we're like dude we got to go to la it was january it's freezing cold in new york uh, you know we're like fuck the rainbow the rock everything looks so cool this is like 1985 right so there was an airline called people's express right it was like 99 dollars each way this is in the 80s so we, yeah. we got on the plane we flew out of newark new jersey and he brought a bunch of little bottles of bacardi you know and we just <laughs> hammered the plane we got this yeah, guy next just so. hammering so we got off the plane we had no idea where we were going we just got on the plane and went to los angeles and it was like i said another thing fate just took its way this course and um we got off the airplane, get our luggage. We go, now this is taxi cabs right in front. There's no Ubers and stuff. We were lucky enough to get this woman, this older woman, older. She was probably like 10 years old, younger than my right. kid. Yeah. You know. Anyway, we get in the car. It's like, hey, we want to go by the, we want to go on the Sunset Strip. And this is our budget. We're the, you know, we're, we're, what's, what's the best place to go? And we were just naive little kids. And she goes, oh, my son's in the band. So she brought us to the Park Sunset Hotel, which is now the Grafton on Sunset. I mean, this is like 75 bucks at, at the time. So we went there and get this. There was a Monday night. And uh, it was too late to get a run of course. So we were close to the rainbow. We walked there on the Monday. It was a rainy night. We go to the rainbow. It's empty. We ordered to have a burger and a cross for us. So we're sitting in the booth and across we look and I go, holy shit, that's fucking Lars and James right there. And Byron Hontis. They were out there mixing Master of Puppets at the time, dude. Holy shit. So I went over and go, hey, guys, you know, I'm friends with Anthrax and Lawrence. Oh, yeah, give this a trolley, blah, blah, blah. And, and that was it. It was summertime. It was L.A. I was like, oh, there's sunshine. And, the, the you know, going to Guitar Center. And it was open. I wasn't, you know, it was clean. And going to clubs. And it's just, it just I, I knew that's where I wanted to be. And basically, that was it. And then I met this girl. It was, you know, and that's the reason I moved out to L.A. Then I joined Exit. I was with, still with Anthrax working for Mr. Tech. And when I went there, and I got the call to uh, tour Exodus. And that, that just changed everything right there. It's, it's, it's crazy. And I hope that I can impart this on my kids is that you just, sometimes you just have to do things. You, you just got to get up and just you know? do it. Get, get, you know? Yeah. So, how yeah. old were you when you got on that plane? 
1985. Okay, so you were okay, so you were you were <laughs> what thir- you were eleven. We'll uh, yeah, yeah, basically, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll go with that. I was a teenager, man. Yeah. Oh, I, yeah. And the dude, the dude from Porky's Porky. He was at a yeah. hotel. He had the big Cadillac and stuff like that. Just the top of yeah, the Yeah, that was real. That's real. You think that, you know, yeah, yeah, it's real. It was real. And I fucking went home that, you know, flying home and then my parents had it was freezing. I'm like, this sucks. Yeah. yeah. Friends, he was like, this, nah, I, I don't want to be here anymore. And, and yeah. I started really thought, I need to get out of here. I want to get into my parents' house. And that was a good thing for me, like working with Anthrax. And later on, because I was, you know, teching for them, it was kind of a trolley ass. It was like, just hang out with my friends. And he, ha- you know, happened to know a lot about drums. And tour, I always say this, if I do a drum clinic, like the next best thing to playing in the band is a drum tech. I mean, you know, you're there and people have seen you play. And that's what led me to get to Exodus and Testament. They mm-hmm. seen me in soundcheck when Charlie's get. And, you know, and they knew, and they knew you would work for free. I, dude, I got paid. <laughs> I, I, I didn't care. I just, just I know that's what I'm saying. I'm going to Europe and like the first tour I ever did was like with Anthrax two weeks in Europe, opened up for Metallica when Jason Newstay got in the yeah. band, you know? So they had the makeup dates. And then a month later, we're going to Japan. I'm getting paid. I'm hanging my front. We're having the time of our lives because we're just kids. We're just ball breakers. Yeah. And I'm, and I'm just traveling. I get to play and hang on my friend. It was the best. I never give that up for anything. And, and it's all, it, I think that it sounds like you're basically doing that same exact thing right now. <laughs> you're a little bit older and everything hurts a bit. Yeah. More. <laughs> it takes a little longer <laughs> to warm up. Like, like your wrist. Man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Frankie, you know, Frankie Bello and I, we went to high school together. Yeah. yeah. High school band. Did he tell you that? He did. We, we had him on the podcast. What Chad yeah. episode 35 or something like that. Maybe, maybe. Say hi to you guy, yeah. In the, yeah. Yeah. We would jam Iron main songs and like, you know, the Hell jazz yeah. band, dude is, oh, is that how <laughs> the whole intro to being to, with Charlie and the, uh, and drum tech kind of gig came about what was your friendship with, with, Oh no shit. Yeah. 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 Charlie went to the same school. I met Charlie first. Um, oh, okay. We're, we're a mutual friend, an older friend. Charlie was a couple years older. And uh, we met at this bar, a man's castle. Scott Ian gets the fucking, the biggest laugh of that. A man's castle. That was a thing. <laughs> yeah. As opposed to a woman's castle. <laughs> like that wasn't a thing. <laughs> and so we met and uh, we just hit it off and we just had the same interest in music, the new wave of, you know, Bridget, British heavy metal and UK and Terry Bozio. And we were just like, yeah, I remember that. And that was it. We became friends. I think I was 17 years old, you know, and shit. Yeah. See, I don't think, I don't think I got that piece of the, the pie from the Frank from our, uh, I don't think you mentioned that. You just said, you said hi. And, and that, yeah. you know, that has, you did this yeah. and that together recently. Yeah. Oh, yeah. crazy. Yeah. So uh, it all stems from the neighborhood essentially. Absolutely. And, and uh, yeah, I'm so uh, grateful where I grew up and at the time in the seventies and all the older guys, they all, you know, freaking hot muscle cars and listen to music playing stickball in the street. You don't get that anymore, man. These kids don't know what it's about. It's yeah. Gotta get up. Yeah. You know, and uh, Hey, you probably feel the way that I too, I do. Cause I like, I, I always bring up my kids, but you know, th- there's that thing where I, every day that goes by, I sound more like the old man, right. It's like, get off totally. my yard. But here's the thing as you get older and get this experience and whatever version of wisdom you get, I think the old man was right. Dude, let me tell you something. And, uh, I, 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 I don't mean to diss anybody. Like these kids are on YouTube. Yeah. They're amazing. They're blowing. I go, 
When yeah. I was a kid, I used to have to walk over a mile in the snow. Of course, well, literally. Yeah. And I'm not uphill. Fucking, this is not, this is the old man story with the, you know, the, the, a bag of rocks on the back. It was like, <laughs> yeah. I had to walk to the lesson in the snow, freezing cold. I was probably wearing capizios because that didn't help anymore. You know what I mean? <laughs> Van Halen had capizios. I was the yeah, Of course. You know? It was cool. It was 1981. So, um, and going there and taking the lesson, really getting into it and walking all the way back and, my fucking, you know, frostbitten toes and everything and pulling out the lesson and, and studying it instead of yeah. going on YouTube and like copying someone, you know? I mean, hey, everybody has their thing, but for me, you know, I earned it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what was that? <laughs> uh, my friend was telling me a story the other day about um, this and similarly, uh, but it has to do with porn and that he used to print the, the pictures out, you know, and he was telling me about, I don't know why he was telling me that it was actually, it was actually Al. He was telling me, he's like, yeah, man, I used to print them out all the time. And then I go in the shower, slap it on the fucking the shower. I'm like, Oh shit. He's like, yeah, these kids these days, they don't, they don't know how hard it was just to, you know, just to pull one out to, to be gross or whatever. And I was like, yeah, damn dude. Now that I think about it, it was pretty difficult. Like <laughs> I had to do all sorts of sneakery back in the yeah. day. And then, you know, oh, I didn't have to yeah, walk up man. a hill both ways with the uh, Caprizios on to go to my guitar lesson. But I did have a bike and, uh, and oh, I had to get Chad, to play guitar. You rich kids, man, with your bicycle. You know what I mean? The rich coffee kids. too. So, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Coffee and a bicycle. Yeah. I, so, Chad, so actually, Chad, let, let's, let's do this, Chad. I want to hear, I want to, okay, so we got John's story and, and this might be interesting. We'll go around the room and Chad, you tell your story about what t- sent you as an artist on your path. Like, cause there's the one moment that kind of changed it. John was like, fuck it. I'm getting on an airplane. I don't know what's going to happen, but this seems like a fun, crazy idea. I'm bored as shit. I got to get out of here. What was yours, Chad? My, I had a cousin. Um, who played guitar yeah. and he, uh, he, his, his name's Pete. And, uh, he had this, actually the Van Halen, um, PV, I forget the model. It was called, it had all the spray paint lines all over it. And it was always hanging in his room and I wanted to play it so bad. Uh, but he would never let me play the guitar. I got to play the Sears and Robic one and I was terrible at it. But then I met a kid. I originally wanted to play the bass guitar. And I met a, my best friend at the time, his name's Sadat. Uh, he and I started our first band in like middle school. He wanted to play guitar. I wanted to play bass. And I was learning how to play guitar on my cousin's guitar. And we just like, and he, the funny story is, is uh, my aunt gave me the guitar. So I never got to play bass. I just had to play guitar. And he got a bass for Christmas or something like that, that year. And we started playing every day in our neighborhood. I go over to his house or he would come into my parents house in the garage and then we he had an older brother funny enough uh, we would ride around with him and he would let us listen to record cds uh, you know and um the the cds he was playing john uh, uh nine inch nails and white zombie and wow. then he he took us to go see a, a, a white zombie show and uh it was the second show i'd ever been to the first show i had been to was black sabbath with my father uh and then we He's the greatest your father's the greatest living human being he was, oh, yeah, he, he was, he was, he was, he is, I shouldn't say he was, he was dope. He's alive and he's yeah. awesome. Okay. Uh, his name's Dennis and he might be listening right now. Uh, hi dad. So, um, he's, so he took me to my second show that my friend's dad and buddy took us to our, our second show, your band. And then I went to the following week. I think I went to maybe a Deftones and Limp Biscuit show or something like that. And we were where playing was, in a band. The, uh, where was the zombie show? Was that with Pantera and uh, Deftones? 
Correct. Yeah. That's what the show was. That's what the tour was. And it was at, um, Oh my God, it would have been the big amp, the big, um, not the palace, but the big amphitheater pine. It would have been either Harpo's or pine knob. It was one of those two. Oh, it was not I'm in Detroit. Was I'm in Detroit. Harpo's. No, we, yeah. Did, yeah. It was pine knob, which was called DTE now. That's I think. right. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Yep. And I, that strangely enough, I saw, um, the second, the first show Sabbath there too. And then after that, we came back and we started to actually play music and, you know, make, write our own songs. And we were both in band. I played uh, trombone. He played saxophone, but on lunch break, we would go and use the drum set and plug Do it. the real oh, shit. That's yeah. I love it. I love small it. town in Michigan. Yeah, 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 yeah. Cool. Yeah, it. Well, your music out of Michigan, dude. Detroit Rock City, baby. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, these so. kids these days, they don't know. And I'm like, uh, they, they're doing the same thing uh, in the streets that you guys were talking about. It's just like, you know, uh, it's a little bit different. They're just doing burnouts and street racing and like, you know, yeah. crazy shit to keep themselves occupied during the Absolutely. Part, and then, and then, it's probably one of the only places that's just still like, it, it, nothing's really changed, you know? You know, it's cool. Like uh, the, the local, uh, the, the Detroit boy, Tommy Clefados, you know, zombie yeah. drummer and Black Sabbath drummer. So there you go. Yeah. You do the concerts. How about that? It's a yeah, local crazy, boy. Man. Great drummer, man. Yeah. Anyways, that that's my uh, that's my. How about you, Al? Uh, you know, uh, the the defining moment was I was in college, and I was uh, fairly dissatisfied with college girlfriend problems. And for spring break '96, oh. I, I I spent some time after college playing around in bands and stuff. Lived in New York City for about three and a half hours and realized I could not do the city because I grew up in Hornell, New York, which is six hours east of the city. And it's cows, not people. And uh, it was just too overwhelming for me. I had, I, I completely freaked out. So uh, anyway, I went to college and, my, and uh, I was in college and I was just not, I was in a weird curriculum that I wasn't really into. And my buddy had lived in Tennessee and he's like, Hey, come down here for spring break and just hang out. So I drove down to Tennessee. That would have been what March of 96. And man, I came, I showed up at his house and, and we went out drinking or whatever. And there was about six friends, kind of like what happened to you, John, but without the kind of the celebrity thing. But even then they weren't, you didn't really feel like there were celebrities when you're meeting. Right. It's just kind of like, Hey, you're cool. And you know, this guy, cool. Let's hang. Well, it was similar to this without any, you know, it wasn't a musical thing. And I, I plugged in with my buddy and we went out and I, I literally met five, six guys that I can name their names that wound up being my best friends today. That's the best. And so, and that was on spring break and I left that spring break and I drove home and I'm like, what the fuck am I doing? Mm -hmm. And, and so I bear, I somehow managed to get through that first part of, of college that la one of the last semesters of college, never, never finished college because same guy called me. He's like, he was the, he worked A&R at Warner brothers in Nashville. And he called mm -hmm. me and he's like, Hey, there's a job in the opening in the mailroom. He's like, you got to get down here. He's like, I can get you an interview. I don't know what's going to happen. So I went down, I drove down there on a Saturday in, in, uh, or sorry, on a Tuesday in June, 96 interviewed on a Wednesday, bullshitted my way through it, got hired on Friday and then drove back to New York state, 12 hours, loaded up my 1988 Pontiac Bonneville with nice. everything that would fit in it, drove back down and started working Warner brothers records on the Monday. So it's like, 
But the, 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 the defining moment, like that spark where you're like, this is, you know, where it just overwhelms you. You went out there, John, and you're like this situation, the feeling I get, the sun, the music, you knew it. And when I and when I came to Nashville, it was the same exact thing. And, and from there, I've got six, seven of my best friends who are still some of my best friends now from that spring break. And then when I moved here, it was just on, it was like great yeah, friendships, like, great times. Yeah. As far as like, because Nashville is blown up. Like everybody from LA left. That's like, I heard yeah. like a friend moved from LA. It was hard to find a house. Like there's no inventory out there, you know? Yeah. It's, it's, and, yeah. Right now it's right now it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, you know, there's, that's the downside of being the it city. Right. I mean, even when I was, when I came in in 96, people who were there from 92 or 90 were like, man, you wouldn't believe it. It's changed so much. I mean, but not to me because that was right. But now from, I mean, the boom really happened in 2002 to right now where it's, I mean, I drive down there probably once a month for a show for something. Uh And I literally, I'm like, okay, wait, this is church. Okay. This is church street. When did that happen? You know, it just, it's bang, bang, bang. Um, It's a lot to take in. I, like I said I, earlier, I'm not really a big city kind of guy. I'm just a hillbilly. So, you know, John, maybe like you where it's like the big city's right over here, but I'm going to hang out in my little pocket here. Yeah, no, no, yeah. And then, right you know, like, yeah. Yeah, I like that. Uh, yeah, yeah, I feel like I'm out because I'm, you know, yeah. I get yeah, it. You, whatever oh, yeah. you use, whatever you use to kind of cocoon yourself. And so you can kind of not feel safe because I don't feel in danger, but you know, just like what you're comfortable with. That's right. But I, I did live the city, the Nashville city life for a good, a good stretch and mm-hmm. then got married and we got pregnant and realized it wasn't, you you know, so we're, 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 we're burbs yeah. now. Well, I listen, this is how uh, adult married people say <laughs> that the wife got pregnant. Hey, we, got pregnant. we got pregnant. We got pregnant because you were there, by the way. <laughs> yeah. I did something. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I did the, I did the fun part and boy, I did the fun part and then you got to pay for it. Of course. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Yeah. Literally. Where you at Chad? I'm, in, I'm, a, I'm here in Detroit. Uh, you are in Detroit. Okay. Yeah, right, I'm right outside of, uh, well, I'm right outside of sitting in Royal Oak. I'm trying to think of it. I'm two blocks away from the Royal Oak Music Theater. If you're familiar with the venue that's downtown downtown okay. here, that's like a 2000 cap room uh, right by the zoo. That's how is, um, how, is it building down there? Because I remember like uh, like we played the film right there and there's the loft occurred. There was that bar and the, and the guy, so he owned the whole loft up there and it looked like an amazing building. I, I could see the whole place just blowing up. And I remember we played a show out there. They were filming Transformers back then with Mark Wahlberg and stuff. Oh, yep. oh shit. Yeah. It's like, yeah, we had the film center there, there for a while. It was a big it, it, yeah. It was, it was like really cool when they had that film thing going on here and then it, it went away as most cool things do. Uh, but I think they actually have plans for them to offer the incentive again in the next year or so. But okay. downtown Detroit is a whole other thing. I used to live down there in uh, 2008 to 14, I think, so, mm-hmm. or 13s. And it wasn't like anywhere near the cast corridor that, you know, you probably have had seen throughout the years, but it was still pretty at that point in time, not quite there. And I was in the neighborhood called Woodbridge, about a block okay. or two away from where you were literally uh, playing last time you were here. Um, and now it's like all of that, the infrastructure you're talking about, it's just like tripled in size. They move the the pistons to downtown. They mm-hmm. got, you know, they have a whole new fucking arena for um, the Red Wings, all of that. They are all on play underneath the Little Caesars Arena roof. That's crazy there. 
Wow. Uh, I lived between here and Los Angeles until the pandemic uh, ended. <laughs> well, until August of uh, okay. 2020, but yeah. Dude, I'll, I'll never forget like the first, well, not the first time. Uh, the first time actually I played in Detroit was with Exodus. It was a place called Blondie's. There's like Blondies. CGDs, you know, like this sweat box, middle of summer, man. Like, holy shit. Sweating, you know, sweating ceilings and all. But I remember playing Harpo's and Anthrax in 1987 among the living tour, you know, working for them. And like everything was like, you go to a grocery store, it's all shielded up. Like, wow. It's like the Bronx. It was very similar to like what I grew up in. So in the it place, still is like that. And where the Harpo's is, is still that exact oh, sort of terrifying space. And Harpo's <laughs> is still happening, right? I mean, yes and no. This, uh, Eddie, who owned it for years, sold it to the guy who owned Blondie's back then. Uh, oh, and okay. he was trying right before... Uh, in 2019 or 18, I believe, trying to like revitalize it because they still had shows, but it was the same. Nothing changed about the interior. You know, the pit there is actually a pit. It's terrifying in the parking lot. It's like just full of like memories of death. So he was trying to kind of like make all of that dirty putty and turn it into something that people dirty wanted putty. to dirty putty. Like, look at look Damn. at this. It's, uh, it's not Man. dirt anymore. It's uh, I feel like we just Kill. named our we just named another side project for the three of us. That's, that's a dirty, dirty putty. Dirty putty. Yeah. So if if you guys haven't noticed we are currently live on Facebook with Making Waves the Shiprock podcast. We have the lovely talented multi-talented and complex John Tempesti here. Everyone knows his resume and we are we uh, just spent 30 minutes or so just rapping with him about the goings on in the world. And if you want to check out that version of the, of the podcast, that'll be dropping on Monday. So keep a lookout for that. And uh, so here we are. Welcome. Welcome everyone in Facebook land. Here we are. And um, we've just, uh, I think we've covered it all. So I think that's a wrap. That's a See wrap. Guys. That was <laughs> fun, dude. So we can, I, honestly, I guess we could talk for like another two hours, just stories. And everything. I know. By the way, so you were saying your second concert was Van Halen, right? Chad? Yeah, first my first concert was. Yes, my second concert was your concert. Oh, that's right. Okay, so <laughs> ready for this one, Al? Big Al? Ready, my always. My second concert after Bowie was Sabbath. With Van Halen opening for Sabbath in 78, Madison Square Garden, Van Halen won. And no one knew who the fuck Van Halen was, right? Yeah. I walked in the garden, me and my friends, this funk, we, I, we see the bass drums and the gas, we're like, who the fuck? And it so happened that our seat in Loge uh, in the garden, the light guy would be up there. And it happened to be Pete Angelus that I realized later on. Yeah. So we're talking to him like, hey, you want some weed? Like, no. So who is this band? They're from California. I'm like, really? That looks insane. Go, just wait, kids. They went on stage. They fucking smoked Sabbath. So, I mean, we're, <laughs> yeah. we're fucking Sabbath fanatics. I mean, Sabbath was done. It was the last, it was Never Say Die towards 78, 78, you know? And, but I, I honestly, I've never seen any band blow anybody, except for like maybe Pantera or something. You know what I mean? Like, sure. You know, they would, they would like, you know, you'd be scared to have someone open up like that. So, yeah. I, for the, I mean, the pressure, I mean, I, 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 you might know this better than me, John, but that was kind of the word on the street was that a lot of bands didn't want to play with Pantera <laughs> or, or Van Halen. It's like, you know, it's like, that sounds like a really nice opportunity, but God, we're just going to, I mean, we're Are you kidding me? I was with Exodus. It was, uh, 
it was Exodus and Suicidal Tendencies where they go down headlining tour and, and Pantera's first tour. They opened up. They smoked this every night. Yeah. Suicidal, not so much, but like, you know, I mean, I'm just being honest. We had some great show, but Pantera, they were kids. They were on fire, man. Yeah. It's undeniable. You know what I mean? They yeah. come out of their little mobile home, you know, their little camp or whatever. They had one of those GMC Airstreams, whatever the fuck they were back then. It's on the first video, if you see it, like, you know, the home videos. They destroyed the thing, but it was great. We had some Yeah. Time. And maybe and maybe that goes back to our, our conversation we had earlier that folks can catch up on on the podcast, um, where it's like you the the, old, the uh the grumpy old man thing, right? Because I have a theory on that. I you know, and, and living in the concert world and the live music world that I do every day, um, mm-hmm. those the bands that really hone their craft live and play. I mean, how many shows you figure Van Halen and Pantera played before anybody even watched them? And that's what it is. Like learning how to play your instrument, standing up under pressure, under lights and like figuring out that vibe. It it takes, it does, it takes five, seven years to even start to get good at that. Honestly, you know? and it's like Pantera. They were a club band. They played Joe's Garage. And when I was, I rolled through town with Anthrax in 1987. You know, we were friends and everything. Well, I was introduced. Uh, I think John Rooney knew Rita and blah, blah, blah. And Scott and Charlie knew her and Dime. And uh, we went to the club with a day off. And me and John, Scott Ian's guitar tech, we went up and we jammed Medusa with Pantera. Vinny, yeah. Luna, Luna, we're live. Oh, you don't know. If you don't know that we're live, I mean, what's the, what's she the does. She's like, oh, that's why she's what's up, yeah. world. Like, what's up? No, she goes up. She's yeah. She knows live when she hears it. Yeah. Who's that, Luna? Who's that, Luna? Oh. Yeah. She's in. Oh, no, and that that was it. Oh, okay, I gotta talk. So um, yeah, and honestly, we Jan and. And fuck, and they, they were so much fun. And these guys, I mean, as a cover band, they played priests. I'm like, they fucking, they were like, they were scary, man. And this is, you know, then they got their record deal. And I remember um, I got an advance um, of the record and I said to her, I got, this is fucking, oh, wow. this record's amazing. Cowboy Samel, I heard it for the first time. And <laughs> that's right, you heard it too. <laughs> <laughs> he was and, yeah. and then I uh, found out they're touring with us with Exodus and Suicide. I'm like, oh, dude, my friends, and they just smoked, man, and, and they just blew up from there. You know, it's yeah. like, God, I miss, I miss those guys, man. Uh, I'm unbelievable. You yeah, there'll never be another like that. No, yeah, I know. And Phil, like Van Halen of, of, you know what I mean? Sure. Yeah, I agree. It was, it was the next phase. It was the next level, if you will, to avoid the pun. Um, who, who is there? Um, I was going to ask you, is there uh who do you, have, do you pay attention to new music? What, what do you, who do you, who do you like? What's happening? What's your, what's on your, what's your, what's the job? You know playlist these days? You know, yeah. You want to see what's on my playlist? This baby right here, do the box set of this. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's what's on my playlist. Yeah. Well, and I see you've got the, uh, the, the whole Macintosh system, oh, yeah. the whole deal, right? Yeah, man, it cranks. Yeah. I, you know what? As a kid, I always wanted Macintosh. Honestly, it's one of those things. And then I used to go to John Barbados store in New York City, which is, you know, used to be CBGB's. I'm like, I got to have one of these one day. And like, you know, I'm, you know, it's Macintosh. You have it for life. But then a friend of mine um, that I met and he uh, he worked for them and uh, he kind of like hooked me up, you know, had a nice Pretty good discount, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, the discount helps. <laughs> you know? yeah, sure. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's like a car payment right there. So it's okay. (laughs) But you know, it's something I do every day. It's like, I listen, I'm endorsed by all my drum companies. I have a stuff. There's some things you, you always lean on. You work hard and like, sometimes you want to buy something nice for yourself. So, you know, it's no guilt in that. No, totally, man. You you deserve it for sure. It's got to feel good too. Like to, to, to work all your life, you know, and you, like you said, you you're now at the spot where you don't have to really think about if you're going to be able. To, I mean, in my band, you know, Pooey, our drummer, would be like, "Dude, can I borrow some money? I don't have enough money to replace the symbol I broke." You know, until like that happened. That that's a that's like a, an achievement list. But once you don't have to like actually think about the tools that you use besides your body to be able to spend that earning and not on your like actual, because drums are fucking no joke, man. Like oh, dude. I, I've always felt sorry for him. And I, listen, when, I, when I was a kid after school, like what you're going with, with Frankie in high school, I take the train after school. I had early classes and I was, was a messenger, you know, just walk a messenger and made minimum wage, like three thirty-five an hour or whatever at the time, you know, and I would always go to 48th street with the music. So every day I wanted messages there and, and I would ha- spend a lot of time and seeing what new gear came in and I saved my money, man. I really, it took a long time to get one symbol on that wage, but you know, it's amazing. But you know what? Sometimes, you know, pay my dues. I'll tell you that, you know? Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, yeah. yeah. Again, yeah. that system, I'm just saying, like, being able to, like, actually take that, like, you know, the, the transfer of a goods for a service, you know, or whatever it is, like, yeah. it's very few times that you're going to ever have to do, use that, the, that, um, that stock, if you will, to, to towards the, the job you do, you know, right. so to be able to actually, like, afford something that you love. With it. Yeah, it's like Chad. When you, it's like Chad when you were cutting meat at the grocery store, you would just put that meat right down your pant leg as you walked out. <laughs> I was like, I don't need any meat because they good. knew because they knew one side already had the they meat knew. in it, the other side had the new meat in it. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Oh, yeah, yeah. It's a full <laughs> meat guy <laughs> nice deal. That's yeah. You know what they call that? The French French benefits, man. <laughs> yeah. So, so John, you could have, you could have been like, well, you were kind of like me, except I had the added caveat of my father ran a music store selling pianos and organs. Yeah. My dad was a great piano player. Still is Chad still is. And uh, like Dennis is, is still is. And uh, he, he, he was a piano guy and there was a little guitar section in the store that a buddy of his ran. Yeah. And I asked for a guitar for my birthday. He bought me an acoustic guitar and I was like, dad, I want an electric guitar, you know, pissing and moaning. Cause who wants to play the acoustic? And uh, he's like, well, if you learn a Christmas song before Christmas, I'll buy you an electric guitar for Christmas. So I was like, okay. So 45 minutes later I could play, you know, jingle bells. He's like, oh, okay. So he bought me a, a, a an electric guitar for Christmas. That was a piece of shit. You would have thought that my dad, like he worked in a music store. He plays Dude. jazz piano, like dad. Like, what are you doing? Yeah, it was a piece of shit. It was a piece of shit. Now, you should have a piece of shit in your first instrument. It's okay, right? No, you have, yeah. But I was like, Dad, I've proven to you that I'm over there in the store every day yanking off to the guitars like every day after school, and you buy me this piece of shit, and the strings are this far off the frets. Like, Dad, what kind of dickhead? If he's listening. Yeah, from the back, some guy from the back door just handed it to him. Come on, Dad, over. just grab just <laughs> something. But I did what you did. I said, I saved up, man. That, yeah. I saved that, up. And it feels Blast so good, it. honestly, when you save and you earn it, you know what I mean? It makes yeah. it better. Listen, you know, when you get to a level and like we're talking about endorsements, it's great. And the company support you and it's a beautiful thing. And uh, But, you know, when you're a kid, everything is so much different or, you know, you feel a little bit more, you know, when you're younger, maybe 
years later and I don't I wouldn't say jaded, but I'm sure there's a lot of stuff that gets involved with that, you know, and oh you take this, take that. Oh, thank you, thank you. But when you buy some, you know what I mean? That's not like yeah. when I buy the system, like you know, it, it means a lot to me because you know, I love music, I love listening to music, and why not playing on a good system? So yeah, for sure. So what we do, there, you know. <laughs> we do a little segment on the podcast here on the live section uh, called Walk the Plank. I take uh, my shirt you, off. You, it's no big deal. I leave my pants on. That's <laughs> it. <laughs> and we all and we all leave. You know, yeah. <laughs> you just see what you do. <laughs> so it goes a little something like this: What did you get in trouble for the most when you were young? Playing my drums. I mean, not not with my parents, but like the neighbors and yeah, yeah, that yeah, neighbors. Come, but my dad always stuck up for me, and my dad's Italian, Enzo, real strong. Like, are you shutting your fucking mouth? I come over, I smack your face. My son that plays the drums, you know what I mean? He's yeah. you know, so basically drumming, and then I used to play baseball. I used to break everybody's windows for some reason. Yeah. Oh He's, wow, you you graduated from stickball to baseball, huh? Yeah, and I was in a little league. They used to call me Johnny Break a Window because I, you know, in the driveway, I just like, and just everybody window, I just break the windows. And where's my mom buying another window? So yeah. Do you still have a passion for baseball and sports? Um, I do. I mean, um, yeah, it was like it's so weird you say that because um, I have a, a Baltimore Orioles hat that I got somebody a guy on the cruise gave to me because my oh, favorite okay. ball player at the time was Brooks Robinson. So oh, that was yeah. my number, and I played third base as a kid. And then so I wear I wear, and people are like, why do you wear a Baltimore's Orioles hat? You're from the Bronx. I'm like, because ah, I like Brooks Robinson. You yeah. know, he's yeah. But I was a Mets fan growing up because my uncle had season tickets for the Mets growing up. Yeah. So I would go see them, and and then I became friends with Mike Piazza. And I got when I was I moved back to New York in '99 and 2001. And then, that know, was his that was his time right there, man. Series. He had his own box. I used to go there. Oh yeah. With friends. That was fucking awesome, man. Yeah, that's amazing, man. Yeah. It's funny because did you see that shot after the game? He they would take him out because they were they were already winning. We had a bar. We watched Neon. He goes, "Hey, did you see that shot? Like, what the fuck are you doing here? <laughs> you can, you can, you can leave the stadium during the game. Oh yeah, I guess he's he could, he could. Like, yeah, yeah. isn't that? <laughs> is, I always thought that was really cool. Like when there's the guy, like the 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 athlete guy, right? And mm -hmm. he does what he does, and everybody admires that. And everybody's like, "Oh, whoa, that's crazy, man! How cool yeah. is that? You didn't necessarily have a dream to be a, a professional athlete, or baseball player, but it's like." You know, it's kind of like your idols and that kind of thing. And then all of a sudden they turn around with you and watch you do what you do. And they're like, God, I would love that, to be able to play an it, instrument. Right. That's, that's totally it. Like for me, yeah. like I freak out, like, you know, I know a lot of my friends are rock, you know, rock stars and me, obviously, you know, meeting my peers. But if I meet, like if I was to meet De Niro, so I shit my pants. So like even my, you know, sports, yeah. it's a whole different thing. And they, I, and you're right. I think they feel the same way. Mike would come to our shows and like, he's so metal out. I can't believe how much metal he was into, like King Diamond and stuff. Oh, like wow. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, Josh, show me this beat, man. Yeah. I just give him like, you know, a couple drum lessons here and there. It's pretty funny. Super cool. I, I remember so the Mike, the, cool. the Mike Piazza, <laughs> Roger Clemens showdown was oh, pretty awesome. I was there at his house because he missed, that was his first all-star game he missed. And we watched it. We didn't watch it. We just, you know, had the family around at a barbecue and like, yeah, I, yeah. He, Mike is really chill. He just kept it quiet, but yeah, yeah. He should have beat his ass though. <laughs> Chad, what do you got for walk the plank? Yeah, man. So it's, uh, <clears throat> I want to know, John, if you could take a professional lesson from somebody for any activity other than the drums, 
what would it be? Ooh, that's a tough one. That's why we call it walking the plank, John. Yeah, so music you could die. Music? Yeah, you could literally fall into the ocean and be like music. Uh, by no, 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 no. Just anything. It no, could be anything. literally, uh, you know. Um, I would say guitar uh, less than like Eddie Van Halen, you know. Okay. Oh, wow. Okay. You know, and like, I mean, come on, you know. Yeah, you, you oh, name the instructor, no, I mean, too. I know, John Bonham, but I just, you know, something different, you know, if, you know, why not? Yeah. Guitar. Yeah. Eddie Van Halen. Like pro- wow. proper lesson too. Like, you know, like the, I, I picture you with the book, just walked up the hill, you right. know, with your, with in your done, guy, your Caprice, he's there. Yeah. You show up a little early, you know, he's going to be late. Cause every yeah. guitar lesson I ever took, he was oh, there yeah. like yeah. 20 yeah. minutes late. And I had an hour and I only got 40 minutes, but I didn't <laughs> dare say a motherfucking word about that shit. I gave him my $25 and left. But during that 25 minutes or 45 minutes or whatever, it was my time to just watch this guy and ask just, questions. Yes, yeah, right? that's it. Yeah. yeah. That's it, man. Could you yeah. imagine? Could you imagine? Fuck no, I can't. Yeah. So no. Well, there's some of those out there, John. You might be interested in that. Speaking of Randy Rhodes, there's a couple of those out there. There was this guy that took a bunch of lessons from Randy Rhodes and mm-hmm. he recorded that he recorded them all. Oh really? And, and yeah, and he has some of the like the photos of the like the music and the notes that Randy wrote out for him. It's super cool. I'm sure you can just you know search. Randy Dude, I met Rhodes Randy in '81 at the Palladium in New York. The, the no way. Never a blizzard of Oz. And I'll just I'll make this really quick. Don't make it's it long. I don't care. Motorhead opened up for them. It was it was Ace of Spades, their first tour. It was a blizzard of Oz. I believe was the second uh, concert of the tour. They did two nights. I cut out of school. Luckily, my parents were on vacation in Hawaii because I could never get away with this shit, you know? So I won't get into mostly, but me and my friends cut out of school. At the last class, we went down. And we it, There was a, a side door, a stage door that you would meet, like, you know, that everybody has to go through that door. And that, yes, we met Iron Maiden, Judas Priest. And so Randy came in a limo and said hi to him and Tommy Aldridge and Lemmy Filthy Phil. And anyhow... We snuck up. We had shitty seats. First row and banging on Lemmy's boots. Just, you know, it's insane. And I seen Ozzy fucking, I was eighth row and watching Randy Rhodes, like Revelation Mother Earth. I was like, honestly, yeah. I seen Van Halen, right? You know, I seen Eddie and uh, like, and then I seen Randy. I was like, fuck. And then after that night, the summertime, we kept going. We found out where Ozzy was staying, Plaza Hotel. We went to Max's Kansas City. It was still open. We walked all the way from 14th Street to, to 50, you know, 59th Central, you know, Plaza Hotel, summertime. We see Ozzy's bus out there. And uh, knock, I was like, is Ozzy here? We're little stupid kids, you know? Like, oh, no, no, yeah. he's here. So we go back. We're in the park, Central Park. Just, we're just freaking out because it's the most amazing concert we've ever seen, right? They did two shows that night. The second show, they played No Bone Movies. And... Out of nowhere, it's like seven in the morning, not even, the sun's not even coming up. Out of nowhere, fucking Ozzy comes out of the park walking with Sharon. I'm like, what the fuck? Hey guys, I'm like, it's fucking Ozzy. (laughs) He walks walks over, he goes to the bus, the bus driver says, oh, these kids are cool. He goes in the hotel, 10 minutes later, Sharon comes out, whistles, come on over. I get up, I'm like, who the fuck are they whistling? There's nobody around, it's just us in the park, right? It's black. Get up. I'm freaking out. Start running. My friends, no, chill out. Dude, we got to keep this really cool. Keep it fucking cool. So we go, we go up to Ozzy and Sharon. Hey guys, would you like to have breakfast with us? It's seven in the morning. 
on a fucking Sunday, on a Sunday, seven in the morning, because we have the, sa- the Sabbath, no fun. Until we sit down, Ozzy goes, bring us a bottle of your best champagne. Because sorry, sir, we can't, we can't serve any alcohol. He's like, fucking, fucking bullshit. Well, bring me some beers then. It's like, no, we can't serve any. It's like, fuck, you know? So, anyhow, Ozzy goes, I... <laughs> I'm going to go to my room. I'm going to do a bump or whatever. Oh, you want to hit a new record? So, and we're sitting with Shamra, like scary kids and you can't even eat our food, you know? So he comes back down with the tape. Hey guys, let's go to the tour bus. Puts on the fucking tape. I sit now I'm sitting next to Ozzy. This is an old Florida coach. It's the same bus that, you know, that was a Randy was in. They were all, you know, the Brown bus. And Ozzy's sitting, you know, right across from me. He's whacked out of his head, you know? And he puts on the tape, it's Diary of Mad Men before it came out. So we just seen two concerts of Blizzard of Oz. And uh, all of a sudden, I hear over the mountain. And we're like, we're just looking at each other. Like, Is this fucking happening? <laughs> yeah. Ozzy gives us a beer, like, say, it's eight in the morning. Like, listen to fucking the whole record. And like, no one's ever going to believe this. So afterwards, yeah. we were going to school, I think, the next day. It was a Monday. Like, no one's going to believe this. So he gave us passes and signed it. And I still have it in the tour book and everything, too. So. That's amazing. And, and wow. that is- it's so amazing how that works out as a kid. Like I said, I was in high school and touring with Zombie, like playing Ozfest. And and then as far as Charlie's Tech and they, the Anthrax opened for Ozzy. And when I said to the Sharon, I go, hey, Sharon, remember me? It was 1988, and no, you know, no rest for the Wicked tour. She goes, oh, my God, you were just a baby. <laughs> yeah. And, and speaking of which, when you said no one would believe you, Sharon probably didn't believe you either. <laughs> no, oh, my God. And she, and she had me tell a story to all the wives. He's a brother's wife and everything. And like, I had to leave a lot of stuff out. But um, yeah. So, but you know, yeah. it, you know, John, that, and that's and that's the thing you probably carry. You carry that with you because unless you have that thing where you're a yeah. true fan and you and you're hunting that stuff down now where you are, it's like when you see fans and you see fans of a band, it's like there's an understanding. No matter how far long ago it was, there's an mm-hmm. understanding there. And if you don't have that understanding, it can make you a pretty jaded person. Right. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Man. And just yeah. watch There's the whole fact that them inviting us over for breakfast. You know, what I mean, there's those yeah. little things man little things we came like listen to and before anybody heard that record kids yeah. in high school and he put in the metal hammer magazine he he talked about the whole story of it and charlie actually has that magazine which i need to fucking hunt down somehow yeah wow it's got to be online somewhere. yeah okay well uh i have two That's more good. i have two more fan questions i have one more question from me and then another fan question for walk the plank here um what speaking of no bone movies and over the mountain and all those songs right what song is it if you had to pick one that evokes the strongest, strongest emotions from you? Of what elicits the most emotional response? Any song that elicits the, the, the biggest emotional response? From my, from, from my playing. Any song that you listen to, it could be, it could be the Beach Boys to, to, uh, uh, you know. uh I'd have to say that one right there. That's the one. Can you see that? Rainbow? Yeah. Stargate. Oh, yeah. Cozy that's yeah. that's one of my favorite. As a kid, I had to do a whole story on the song and everything. But really, it's the way this this song starts with Cozy is one of the best drum fills ever. And it's like yeah. and Neo's vocals and the the fucking Richie Blood, the lead, and just like the keyboards. Like it's a perfect fucking song. It's a long song, and I think just the arrangements, it's it's just perfect, man. I mean, it's 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 got it all, you know. It's inter- It's interesting because that it's 
people like my kids will ask me like, what's your favorite song? And I find the question to be so, it's so silly, right? Cause it's so like, are you kidding me? But, but we asked John Tempest and he goes, oh yeah. Uh, I, I got it. That's yeah. It's definitely it's it's right here. Yeah. It's, it's just interesting. It's just <laughs> that's, that's, that's really interesting oh, God, that you could come, you could, you could yeah. come up with one. If someone asked me, I'd be like, and then thirty seconds later, I'd be like, no, man, maybe it's not my favorite favorite. You know, it's it's crazy. Yeah, I mean, yeah, of course. I mean, there's a million song records, but that that one always just you know, it's it's been it for me as a kid. Okay, here's here's the last question. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna take one uh, from Karen. Karen, if you never had to sleep again, what would you do with the extra hours? Go on ship rock. Oh, <laughs> wow. Yeah, just put a bottle boat, cap right on that fucking soda. Ladies and gentlemen, and that is called a trans that is called a transition, ladies and gentlemen, right there. That is a that is a segue of champions. So let's right. so let's so let's do talk about Shiprocked and your experience there. Obviously, you know, oh, this is the, the Shiprock podcast, but we're 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 always we're always out there, you know, any music fan that wants to tune in. Um, but you know, we get a lot of our obviously a lot of our podcast uh, friends and family are Shiprock folks. Um, and, and so tell us, you know, give us your, your impression of the people of Shiprock and your best memories on Shiprock. Everybody's just so cool and chill. I mean, cause I've talked to band members, like, are you going to have those fans like come up and bug you all the time? I'm like, no, it's not like that at all. Everybody's yeah. just having a good time. Cause it is a vacation. I mean, it's, it's amazing. And there's everywhere you turn, there's a band playing here and there outside the deck inside. And you, you get off the boat, you have all these like, you know, things to do on, how many? I went pretty much everywhere, right? The Bahamas, the Key West, to Mexico, yeah. to yeah, Turks and Caicos, right? That was cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Sixteen, seventeen, and nineteen, you were on. Wow. So, and and I've done so many, I can't remember what. Was, yeah. What, what, what I, was such a, I was the first time I've been on the cruise, just flying because you know living in Los Angeles, doing that whole flight back with the sea legs, man. Like, whoo! yeah. Yeah, so. yeah. You know what always gets me is the first shower you take once you get back to your your normal shower, yeah. and you put you put and you right, and you put your head in, and you're kind of washing your hair, and you're like, whoa, holy shit! Oh, man. You kind of run into the walls, and uh, yeah. yeah. But I always have a blessed room. I keep doing it. I can't wait to do it again, man. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. That's awesome, Karen. Thank you for the Karen. Karen, thank you for the question. We appreciate that. Thank you, Karen. Very, very much. Um, well, we are uh, running up to the eight o'clock hour here, ladies and gentlemen, and uh, we'd like to uh, thanks thanks to John obviously for for joining us tonight. We appreciate it very much, and uh, it's great to it's great to catch up with you, John. And we too. just see each other see each other so briefly. And and thank you. I guess it was before it was in not early twenty. You you were kind enough to sign a drumhead for a friend a drummer friend of mine who was uh, battling ALS, and it was a fundraiser. And you got that to me right away, and that that went right. to a great cause. So thank you so much for that. Right. Really appreciate it. And um, I mean, I, I feel like we've covered every single topic we could, we could discuss. I got one real quick. Yeah. I heard I that want you might have a record coming out that you guys have, the, is the cult started recording something? Or yeah. Something? There's been a process. Billy's been in the UK and the producer for the next record is Tom Del Getty. Great producer. He did a lot of the last couple of ghost records and, you know, um, Oh, God, he's in a bunch of bands, but he's great. So Billy worked on stuff and Ian's working on lyrics, but you know, because of obviously the, the, the pandemic, we haven't had a chance to all get together. Uh, our last show was in uh, December of 2019. So, and our, our first show will be October 27th in San Diego. 
almost two years, man. That's a long yeah. time. Yeah. So. Yeah, you know, wanted to check in in progress and see if you know everybody is listening yeah. to what's going on. Yeah, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for that, Chad. Yeah, yeah uh, sure what are you, what are you gonna, you, what are you gonna do to, what are you gonna do to get? I mean, look, it's two years, right? I mean, you've been playing around the house. You got your electronic drum kit. Uh-huh. I mean, you're gonna. I, have, have, you yeah, guys, I actually have a gig I'm doing in two weeks that I can't really talk about. Okay. It's well, pretty, then, thanks, thanks for mentioning it then. No, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, I just want to give you. You probably read about it somewhere. <laughs> okay. All right. So we knew we knew about it first, kind of. We kind of knew yeah, about yeah, it first. Pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. It's kind of exciting. So you're so that'll but I mean October, right? So what yeah. is there are there a couple things in between to keep you keep you fresh? Because you know, we talked earlier on the on the podcast where it's like, boy, you get older and you know, warming up might take a little bit longer. Or what yeah, how do you about that? You know, ah, you know, I mean, I, like I said, I play, I try to play every day and go to my drum room and you know, but uh We'll see what this thing I'm doing in a couple of weeks. It could lead to something up until that point. So we'll see. Yeah. Cool. No, no, well, I can't wait to keep my, we will keep our ears to the, to the, uh, cement. Yeah. The <laughs> cement. <laughs> we say cement. Soundtrack. Cement. It's like the Bronx cement. Cement. Yeah, cement. yeah. But that's, that's real in the South here. It's cement. It is cement. absolutely cement. Yeah. Right. Yeah, right. cement. Well, cool. Was well, thanks. About uh, cement earlier, so that's why I brought it up. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, they call that a, they call that a callback, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, hey, Shiprock family, thank you so much for tuning in and checking us out here. The full episode of this lovely nonsense will be appearing on uh, the internet where you get your podcasts and YouTube on Monday at eight a.m. Central. Um, Please remember to go out there and tell the world, tell the world about our podcast, help us spread the word. We appreciate you very much, your support. And uh, if you do so uh, help out everyone, um, it makes you immune to any STD. It uh, helps increase your liver function and uh, just lowers your uh, bad cholesterol from what I, from what I'm reading here. So thank you so much for your support. And thank you to Chad for being here with us. Thank you, Chad, for holding my hand as I, as I try to fill in for, for, for the young, for the young and talented Justin Press. Uh, hopefully I, I did a good job holding his seat down for the day. Thank you to Jennifer Zito, our show engineer, who's who's uh, out traveling with some form of man right now. So she's not with us tonight. She's usually on the in the background helping us out. Uh, Heather Smith, our show coordinator, and obviously our esteemed captain, Alan Koenig, with, without whom none of this would be possible. And oh, uh, Alan, Alan sent, J- John Allen sends his very best. Hi, Alan. You. Uh, and... Uh, We would like to remind everyone to rock hard and vacation harder. We will see you on the ship. And John, thanks again, man. Really appreciate it. Great to see you. A lot of fun, man. Definitely. Good. I'm glad. Thank you. Chad, good night, my friend. Hey, good night, everybody. Carl says good night. Good night to Luna. Yeah, let's let's have one good night kiss from Carl and Luna. Come on. We got to do this. There we go. Oh yeah! Look at your look at look at. See y'all. Be be good. See you guys. Love you guys. Have a good one. Hey, this is Aaron from No Simple Road. I'm inviting you to come hang out with Apple, Mel, and I as we talk with the musicians, artists, chefs, authors, and beyond from the world that turns us on. We're reaching into the improvisational music scene, the psychedelic culture, the festival world, and getting to know what makes the people tick that create those scenes. Come join us on the long, strange trip over at No Simple Road.